Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Susan Catawio. Susan is one of Boston's most respected singer-songwriters, respectful of tradition, but not bound by it. Susan blends rock, folk, and blues with a healthy dose of country. Call it New England Americana with a twang. In 2018, she was nominated for Best Americana Artist in the Boston Music Awards, and she performed and won the Connecticut Folk Festival. Her latest album, The Hammer and the Heart, charted number one on the Billboard Heat Seekers chart and yielded a number one song on folk radio and a top 10 album of 2017. The album reflects her love for collaboration. The record features 40 local and national artists. Welcome, Susan. How are you today? I'm great, Terry. I, I'm and I very botched your name up, so you I want did. you to say it the right way. <laughs> I, I was going to laugh through that. So it's Catanio with an Catania. N. Catanio. Okay. Catanio. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so, you got it. There you go. So that's, <laughs> I didn't want to mess it up for other people. They need to hear it the right way. So welcome. I'm so happy to have you with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Me too. I'm so happy to have you. So tell us a little bit about your background, how your career started as a singer songwriter, and how it grew to where it is today. So, well, I'm from New Jersey. I'm a Jersey girl. And I came from a family that we we all used to sing. We sang around the dining room table in harmony. So we were kind of, we were kind of like the Von Trapps of New Jersey. Like, you know, we, we would sing at like events, birthday parties, that kind of thing. And so I've always been singing, singing my whole life and writing. Also, I I discovered writing kind of in elementary school, I think, and, and really just loved it. Never thought of combining the two into songwriting or singing. So my kind of, I've had a bunch of different careers in my life. And the first career I had was I was a creative writing major in college and I ended up working in television for about eight years. I was a senior writer producer and I made movie trailers and TV commercials and then sang in a band at night. And that was what I did, you know, and we ended up moving to Boston. I live in Boston. And when we got here, I heard about this wonderful contemporary music school called Berkeley College of Music. And I was like, oh, music school. And I quit my job in television and went back to school. And I went back as a vocalist, actually, and was studying at Berkeley and took my first songwriting class. And it was like, like, oh, the angels sang and my I was like, oh, my God, this is my destiny. I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. So I became a songwriting major. And actually, because I think I was an older student and I'd also, you know, had a lot of experience with writing, they hired me as a songwriting teacher right after I graduated. Yeah. So I've been teaching at Berkeley songwriting for uh, 20 years. And then I also had this side career where I would start to perform. And initially that looked like 
I went down to Nashville a lot and I co-wrote with a lot of people and got some minor cuts with artists down there. And then in, and I had young kids. So the idea of like touring and performing really wasn't open to me then. And then when my kids got older, I restarted my performing career and now that's what I do full time. So I'm a a performing singer songwriter and pre COVID, (laughs) Right. I used I used to tour and collaborate <laughs> and hang out and you oh know my gosh. and be with people and now now not so much. <laughs> and we none of us can wait until that's back because we just hate it. We just hate it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, Bobby Rydell had to stop touring and everything too. He did perform recently in Florida, but up here he's really not back yet because there's no venues to sing in. So it's it's sad. And we all want to hear our performers again. We miss the music. We really do. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I think that, you know, on one hand, you know, obviously the pandemic has been a terrible thing for everybody, but it also, I think, you know, I I got a lot of time with myself, spent a lot of time with Susan, (laughs) getting to know Susan in this room. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it ended up that I, you know, I was teaching remotely and I really discovered my love of creating things. Even if I'm by myself, I love to make things. And it actually led me, believe it or not, I quit Berkeley of this year after 20 years because I want to do art full time. And so it was a major shift for me, but one that I, I don't regret at all. I'm still teaching online, but I'm not like, I'm not going into to to campus anymore. So yeah. 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 Well, that's great because you seem like a very creative person. So, and creative people need to create. They do. Exactly. Exactly. It's funny when my sister was singing years ago, just with a small band, she didn't know that you could actually go to school for music. Right. She found out later on and she goes, you mean I could have gone to college for music? I know. know, I know. Because a lot of back then, especially you didn't know. And High school teachers didn't share that because most of them didn't want to promote the arts as much. They felt like you couldn't earn a living, so they weren't really going to push that. So she had no idea you could go to college for music. And so she missed out on that. And she's not really singing anymore. She loves singing while she did it. But now she's kind of moving into other creative endeavors because she's creative. Mm, So, yeah, yeah. I think it's funny how like how your path, your life path and your career path. And, you know, it's funny because I I think I don't know why there's this. I I guess I had in my head that it was like, oh, you're going to do what you're going to do. And that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And I found that my journey has had a lot of it's not just one river. It's had a lot of tributaries and occasional little side things. And it's been a wonderful journey so far. But yeah, so this is where I am now. I'm yeah. writing. And I, and- think, I think that's true for many people that, you know, they've got done many different things, but they look at it and say, oh, I'm the oddball. And really not. I think a lot of people have just done a lot of different things. And me too, like everything that I've done has led up to maybe doing the podcast now. Right, I've right. mostly been in sales and I've taken a lot of sales courses and I always wanted to be inspirational to people. So this is kind of my way of being inspirational to my podcast audience, to my boomer audience. So right. Everything I've done has led up to that, but nothing has really been in the podcasting field or anything to do with radio or television or any of that. But, you know, today you don't have to. You just jump in and do it. You can do anything you want. 
Exactly. And, and, and you are, you are a symbol of that, right? Right. So, right. Absolutely. <laughs> and I talk to a lot of boomers who, are, who have written their first books, like in their sixties. And it's, they say, it's something I always wanted to do, but when you're raising a family, it's hard. You've got to have a regular job. You do it nights and weekends. There's not always enough time or energy. So they're doing it now and they're loving it. So mm, yeah, it's totally great. true. Yeah. Yeah. So do you write most of your own songs? Yeah. So for me, I am, I think, first and foremost, a writer. I love to sing. So singing is kind of second. But yes, I am a writer. I write with people. I collaborate, but I also write for myself. And I think that on, I've only had two covers that I've done. Covers are non-original songs. Everything else has been original. So I've probably, you know, I have like a catalog of probably 250 songs that I've written for That's myself great. And, and for others. Yeah. You know, I went to hear, I thought it was going to be Bobby Rydell a couple of weeks ago. They were supposed to perform outside, but then he unfortunately got ill, but there was this young guy that kind of stepped in and sang some of his songs. His voice is excellent, but all he's doing is cover music. And I'm thinking to myself, you're never going to break out unless you have some of your own songs. You are stuck where you are, but you are really, really good. So well, you know, it's, I think it's a matter of, you know, certainly finances because, you know, if you do a cover gig, then you end up probably making more money than if you do an original music gig. But I found, I don't know, it's so funny because when my career started writing for others in Nashville. So for me, I was always a deliverer of, you know, what do you want to say? Let me craft something that you would want to sing as opposed to what I would want to sing. And when I started writing for myself, initially it was really scary because I was suddenly writing about subject matter that was very near and dear to me and sometimes personal and sometimes a little unpleasant. But it was this beautiful thing where once you've done that, once Pandora's box is open and those skeletons are out of the closet and walking around in your songs, you kind of are forever changed in a beautiful way. Like I think I'm so glad that I'm writing. You know, I always used to say to my students, I'm like, you know, you really need to write your truth. And then I wasn't writing my truth at all. <laughs> oh my when gosh. I, yeah, do what I when say, I, not what I do. <laughs> right. But then, then once I started, I was like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's a healing thing, not only for the performer and the creator, but also sometimes for the listener. And you have this kind of conversation between the two of you. The, like where the song is the thing that communicates a feeling and it's, it's been incredibly rewarding to do and it. And that just... song might be telling their story as well. Exactly. And they're like really, really connecting. And they're so thankful because no one ever put it into words before. So exactly. you're right. So yeah. now that we're talking about songs, I was listening to some of your songs online and I really love the one that's the title is work hard, love harder. And that message is so important today. So how did you, was that one of those songs that you really connected with or how did that come about? Well, definitely. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the world has been a really hard place to live in for, um, for a few years now. It has. And I felt at the time when I wrote that song, I felt like, oh, just like on a, on a wheel, like a gerbil on a wheel, like constantly like running, running, running and not really appreciating anything that I was doing. I was just doing it in a really manic and like caffeinated way, caffeinated living my life. And I wanted to write a song about what I felt was 
was important to me actually. And of things to remember, like, you know, tell your kids you love them and, and call your mom. And, you know, there are things, there are lyrics in there that are very specific to me that I, I think that, uh, you know, other people hear that and they really respond to it as well. So work our love harder. I didn't want it to be sad. I wanted it to be uplifting. I wanted it to be an anthem. And I, I liked the song so much that on my album, The Hammer and the Heart, which is a double album because I'm a lunatic oh. and I wanted to release <laughs> wow. more music. So right. The Hammer is the electric side and The Heart is the acoustic side. And I actually recorded that song as a rock song and also as a folk song. Oh, so it I'm going to have to listen for that. That's yeah, it starts great. both both the, the discs. Right. I think I heard the rock song. That's what you have you did. on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. has a really good beat and it's really great, but it has yeah. the message. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's so important because most of us, like I remember years ago, cause I'm 71 now. And when I first started out working, you know, you work 40 hours a week and you were done. And the last like 15, 20 years, maybe you, everybody brings work home. People are working on weekends. People are working nights. It has gotten crazy. And you feel like you have to, to keep the job. And it's so competitive and we're just wearing ourselves out. It's just not good for our, us as an individual or our family. So the song is really pertinent to today's living. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I yeah. agree. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. <laughs> I did. I really liked it. Then the other song I like, which had a whole different tempo, which was beautiful was borrowed blue. And that's about mothers and daughters. So how did that come about? Well, so this song, okay. So pandemic happened, quarantine happened. I had just come off of the hammer in the heart, which was, as you said, 40 people, a veritable like circus of music, <laughs> sound and people. Right. <laughs> and I, I said to my husband who manages me as well, I was like, you know, this next album, I want it to be like very, very small and quiet. I, and we're going to, I'm going to call it all is quiet and there it's going to be a Right. And it's going to uh -huh. be about like, you know, we're empty nesters for the first time. And I was like, it's going to be about that. And like, what is it like to be in an empty house and the silence of being the kids gone? Well, the pandemic happened and the kids moved back in with us. Oh my gosh, did they? Well, it wasn't quiet. <laughs> but what happened for me is that honestly and truthfully, I will say that the first three months of the quarantine, March, April, and May, I was very, very sad. I felt so worried about the world and my life went from one thing to another overnight. Like I literally had all these gigs, they all went away and all this collaboration and none of that was happening. So I didn't write. I didn't want to write. And I was like, maybe I'm just not going to write anymore. Maybe I'm done. Maybe I don't have anything to say. Wow. And then in June, I wrote my first song in the pandemic and it was called follow. And it's about following your intuition. And the big epiphany for me was that I'm going to make stuff, whether no one's listening or a thousand people are listening. And I, I've been thinking a lot about, I'm the daughter of a 93 year old mom. Wow. Yay, that's great. It was awesome. Yes, yes. And I am the mother of a 20 year old daughter. And I was thinking a lot about mothers and daughters and daughters and mothers and how, what we inherit and what we pass on to each other. And 
And so I wrote Borrowed Blue, you know, during the pandemic for these two amazing women in my life, my mom and my daughter. So Borrowed Blue is part of this new collection of songs, which are coming out in January of this upcoming year, 2022. Oh, great. And it's a fully acoustic album. So it's just vocals and two wonderful guitar players that, that I hard to work with me. So it's, but it's, it's like, I mean, I have to say, like, it talks about the weight of the times, certainly, but it also talks about like, you know, kind of hope and, and resiliency, because I think that's also another thing that I've learned that I have, which is important. I mean, the, the pandemic has taught a lot of us, many, many things. And like you said, at first people were just like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. I'm sad. I, you know, I'm stuck at home. But then they started thinking and some people wrote their first book during the pandemic. Some people started writing other things, poems, and some people just started all kinds of projects at home. So, and they learned a lot about themselves and the world. So there were a lot of good came out of the pandemic as well as the bad. So I'm glad it wasn't all bad. There was a lot of good and a lot of people learned to pivot it. And they learned that I have to be ready to turn on a dime, no matter what kind of business I have. Because like you say, all the creative people, the speakers, the musicians that, you know, anyone that uh, the ones that played at weddings, they all there, everything was gone. Everything was gone. They might've been booked for a whole year and now they had nothing. So they really had to learn to what else can I do? And how can I share my music? And that's the other thing I wanted to say. I love your thought that you were going to write no matter how many people listen, because it's coming out of you and it needs to come out. And I think boomers need to hear that. You don't have to write so that everybody listens, write it for yourself. And if nobody else hears it, it's okay because it's creative and it will change you and you will feel better about yourself. So no matter what, if there's something inside of you, you've always wanted to do, you need to just do it. I completely. And I know even before this whole time in our lives, I work privately with a lot of different songwriters. I teach songwriting lessons and I have, you know, I have older students, I have brand new students, and sometimes they'll get to a point in their career, their amateur career, where they're like, should I make a CD? Should I record my songs? And I'm like, of course. Yeah. Of course you should. Because yeah. it's important to have an artifact. It's important to have some sort of something that you can say, this is what this is who I was at this time in, in my life. This is what I had to say creatively. And I, I really think that I love storytelling. And I think everybody has a story to tell. Everyone's story is unique and special and interesting. And I think nobody should be not encouraged, discouraged from, from telling their story in, in whatever way they want to, whether it's in dance, whether it's in cooking, whether it's in gardening, whether it's in, you know, whatever, it, you know, everyone deserves a right to make creativity in the world, to make Absolutely. creative in the world. So true. And I'm the gardener. My husband's the cook. But nice. My sister was the singer and she did make a couple CDs along the way, which is really great. And then I have brother-in-laws that play guitar and they've made some CDs. My own brother like sings and plays the guitar. So he's done a couple. Yeah. You really need to do that. It's not that expensive anymore. So just do it. And it will document what you've done in the past and your growth as you get better, as you go along. 
And it's, it's funny with podcasting. Everybody says that when they first started, they go, oh, I can't even go back and listen to my first few podcasts because they're horrific. I didn't know what I was doing. The <laughs> interviews were horrible. And like, you know, no one wants to go back, but you have to start somewhere. So many people just want to wait till they're perfect. Well, no, you just start where you are and you'll get better. It doesn't matter. Everyone has so to go true. through that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and you know, I mean, there is something beautiful about learning learning. Yes. You know, there's something beautiful it, for me, you know, the, I think my, my like weakness Achilles heel is probably always going to be the guitar. Like for me, because I'm a singer, I am comfortable singing. I'm comfortable harmonizing. I'm comfortable with melody. I'm comfortable with words. And when it comes to like playing an instrument, because I play the piano. Okay. But the guitar is something that I've picked up. Right. So it's not something that I learned when I was five. And I think that, you know, I work on the guitar and and there are moments where I'm like, oh, I can do this thing that I couldn't do four years ago. And there is something beautiful about that learning process where you're like, okay, I worked really hard for this. Mm-hmm. And now it doesn't sound quite as bad as it did before. It's still still not great, but you know, I think that there's something beautiful about, about learning. It's hard. I mean, I have to say it's hard, but you know, it's also good. It is hard, but another topic that comes up in a lot of the podcasts I've done, no matter who I'm talking to, mostly they all say you have to be a perpetual learner. The more you're willing to learn new things, the better off because it will keep your mind active, your brain active, and it'll just help keep you younger. If you keep learning new things because it can even make your brain get a little better. I forget the synopsis come out or whatever, when you're working on creative things. So you can build your brain and get better if you do that. So learning is important. Not everyone likes to, I love learning new things. So I'm always reading and trying new things, but, but especially as a musician, why not? Right. Well, and as we get older, I think for some reason there was this knowledge or there's like assumed knowledge that like, Right. After a certain point in the time, you can't learn anymore. They've come out with this new thing that the brain is a lot more elastic than it was, than they thought it was previously, and that you can continue to learn and you can continue to grow. And, you know, yes, yes, hell yes. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I agree. Absolutely. So you've been nominated one of a lot of awards. What are you most proud of? What award or... All right. Well, so in my music circles, there is a songwriting festival in Kerrville, Texas called the Kerrville New Folk Festival. And it's kind of like the Academy Awards of folk music. And I got in as a finalist in 2015 for the first time. Wow. And I was so excited and I went down to Texas and I performed and I thought like, oh, it's, it, you know, that was just a fluke that that happened. And I applied again and I got in again in 2018. And so I went back again as a second timer and that was pretty amazing. And then I started to write, you know, these new songs and I submitted two of them and I got in a third time. Oh, so I am, a three, I am a three-time Kerrville New Folk finalist, which is a which was so cool because like the first time I was like it's a fluke. The second time it was like, well, yeah, maybe they like me. And the third time I was like, no, okay, they I like am me. I'm legit. I am validated, you know. And I think so for me, 
you like the the whole the whole festival is pretty amazing. You're performing for probably, I think it's like 400 people, and they're the most like devoted music lovers. They they're just hanging on your every word, and <laughs> it's great. a really amazing amazing community. And the fact that I got to do that was really a high point for me. So yeah, and you might get to do it again. No, I think no, I think I'm done. Like Are I think you okay? <laughs> I think three times. Like I don't think I need to do I like I Okay. You feel validated. I proved yeah. it to myself. And you know, I I don't think I need that, which is nice. It, that's also something like the fact that yes. I, I've I've done it enough to be like, okay, I don't need to do that anymore. That was that was good enough for me. Right. So right. Yeah. And that was fun. Three times down there, that was fun. So yeah, yeah. Now you have to look so for cool. another thing to ascribe to, try and get to. Yeah. I mean, I think that for me at this stage, I mean, I'm just trying to get performances, hopefully once things open up, I, I, you know, I just, I've done a few shows outside and I've done a few shows inside, like inside in July, you know, when things opened up for a brief, a brief little window of time, (laughs) I did some shows inside and, you know, it's funny. I I suffer a little bit from stage fright before I get onto the stage. Mm -hmm. But when I get onto the stage, when I step up to the microphone, I just feel like, oh, I got this. You know, I just feel like this wonderful, like, I love, I I feel this, like, I love everyone. I love who's playing with me. I love (laughs) everyone in the audience. I I just have this like God, like joy experience and not doing that, not having that for a year and a half. My goal is to to do that more because yeah. it really, I, I didn't know how much I missed it until it was gone. And to have had these brief little moments where I can connect with people in song, it's just, it's just really, really wonderful. And I yeah. hope to do that more. So. Oh, I hope it's back soon. I really do. I really yeah. do. And, you know, I can relate to that because you're doing what you're meant to do when you get that feeling. That means I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. And I get that feeling every time I do a podcast. I love talking to people. I get so happy. I'm like, oh, we're recording a podcast today. This is great. I love it. So same thing for me with the podcast. So everyone has their own thing. You need to try and find it because it will make you very happy and fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And it doesn't matter whether you're making money at it or not. You're just doing what you're meant to do. You're sharing a message and there's people out there that need to hear it. I agree. I agree. So it's very important. So as a boomer singer songwriter, do you have a message for other boomers out there? Well, I would love to say I have two messages. Okay. So the first message is we're not done yet. We're not done no, I, you know, I, I come from you know music industry, terrible ageism. Your career is over by the time you're 27. I know. And I'm just like, I do not accept that. I Mm-mm. refuse to accept that. And I send that out to everybody else. Do not accept that because yeah. the fact is we have something to say. We're still valid. You know, I feel like, I mean, especially as a woman getting older, you know, it's like, there's a certain point where it's like, I feel like we're invisible. And I'm like, I refuse to be invisible. Me too. You, I, you will be seeing me, that's you know? Right. And so that's the one I would say, like one thing, like do not believe if <laughs> anyone tells you that because you can still make great things. Absolutely. After the age of 40. Absolutely. Even after the age of 70. 
Well, I'm, I said 40 and up. Like I yeah, meant like 40, 40 and up, keep but, going. Yeah, but a lot of times by 40, everyone's thinking, yeah. oh no, my, everything's over. It's not. And 50, they start thinking the same thing and they can't find a job. And, you know, it's it's tough once you hit 50 and you need a new job. But create your own then. Create your own. So. And then the second thing, the second thing that I would want to say is while you're creating, I saw this show on Netflix and there was this graphic designer who was talking about creativity. And he said something that was so profound to me. He said, I want to be a careless creator and a ruthless editor. Ah. And that for me was the most amazing thing because I think that most of us, when we start creating things, we're immediately judging, editing, fixing you know, fine tuning it. And I think that there's something beautiful thinking about being a careless creator. So when you're in the creative process, allow things to happen, allow whatever crazy thought comes into your mind, explore that. And then once you've done that, then go in and start being judgy and perfectionistic on it. And I think that a lot of creative people don't get further than that first chapter of their novel or their, you know, whatever, the the first thing they're trying because suddenly the inner judge comes in and says like, no, that's bad. Don't do that. That's cheesy. That's terrible. Stop it. And I think that if you can shut that voice up for a little bit and just allow the inner child to create, remember how we used to be so creative when we were Oh gosh. Yep. Yep. So careless creator, ruthless editor. That's kind of been my philosophy this whole time. So that is great advice. Just get it all out on paper or however you're doing it and then go back and edit, but just let everything pour out. Think about it in terms of a garden, right? Mm -hmm, right. So you plant stuff. You have no idea what's going to come up. You don't know how it's going to come up. You know, it might be two together and then you separate it out. I mean, it's just like that. It's just like that. But you're planting creative seeds or you're planting, you know, whatever it happens to be. So Right. And sometimes when you plant the things you thought were going to come right up, don't even germinate and bloom. They don't come up at all. And other things that you thought weren't going to be able to come about, they do. So it just goes to show you don't know. Put the seeds out there and see what happens. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's so (laughs) important. So important. So I guess you don't ever see yourself retiring. I hope not. Well, I mean, I think that I, let's say I see myself evolving. I think that that's the thing. Cause I think that I feel like I love singing and I love songwriting and I love writing. I like, I, you know, as I said, I write short stories. And so I don't know if, you know, I'll still be singing in 15, 20 years from now. I have no idea, but if I'm not, I'm still going to be doing something creative because exactly I just like to make stuff. So I, I think that retiring is a is a really that's a terrible word. We should almost even it eliminate is. that because yeah, it feels really like should. you know it yeah. just feels like you're sedentary, and I don't I don't believe in being sedentary in my life. So yeah, so no, I'm not retiring. 
Good, good, good. Yeah. I mean, I'll do the same thing. Like I've been doing real estate. I'm still doing a part-time. When I leave this podcast, I have to go show some homes. So I'm doing both. But eventually I just want to do the podcast, but then that could go on to Murph into something else. So, so who knows? It is what it is, but you know, I'm at the time of my life when I don't want to stay in in real estate anymore. So that I look for something else. Podcasting really got me excited, and I said I can do that. So now I'm here, and who knows where I'll go? But again, I want to keep active. I don't ever want to just sit on a couch. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Well, and the fact is that you know, I think being open to, you know, obviously the podcasting for you lit a spark. Yes. Yes. And you were brave and courageous enough to follow right. it. Right. And I think that that's the key is like, you know, if something interests you. Yes. As my song, Work Hard, Love Harder goes, what are you waiting for? Right. Go and do it. <laughs> and especially at our age, we can try anything. We're not raising the family anymore. We're not so dependent on that income. It's our, our time of life. We can, we can just try things. If they don't work out, try something else. If that doesn't work, try something else. I mean, I got lucky because I kind of knew I loved to talk. And I started listening to podcasts while I was out walking every day. And then after a while, I said, I can do this. I just need to find my niche. Where do I fit in? And then I just thought there's really nothing for baby boomers that's just inspiring. That just gives them other people's stories of what they're doing. And and I think it gives them ideas. So, you know, this podcast might get ideas for one group of people. Another podcast might hit another group, but you just need ideas sometimes because we tend to get stuck. And because our parents never really had the uh, type of time that we more than likely will, some did, but very few, we don't really have a roadmap. So we don't know what to do with it. But if you just get inert and sit on the couch, you're not going to live as long as you will as if you're doing something. And I think if you do something you love, it just keeps you animated. You love to do it. You want to do it every day. So totally that will keep you going much longer. So I think that's an important part of the puzzle. I agree. I agree. Yeah. 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 So how can my audience reach you and learn more about you and your audience? Well, so my husband, once again, is a brilliant marketer. And because nobody can remember or pronounce our last name correctly, right? you can find <laughs> me on susanmusic.com. Right. How awesome is that? I'm like, That's I'm like Cher awesome. or Madonna. It's just one name, yes. susanmusic.com. <laughs> and so that'll take you to my website. And as I said, All Is Quiet is coming out in the end of January. I'll be launching what is called a crowdfunding campaign in the next few weeks. And that is all about, you know, trying to kind of tell people about the album and invite people on the journey with me. So I I'll share like behind the scenes and I have some really like fun gifts for people that want to help me fund the record. So for instance, we have a friend who's a, a coffee sommelier, like she's, she's like, oh, a wow. not a coffee. wine, a coffee. No, right. Exactly. <laughs> and so like one of the gifts is, you know, you can get her special coffee, which she'll send to you. And then I'll have a zoom call with whoever the person is and we'll have a coffee together and we'll oh chat. Oh my gosh. That'll so. be so much fun. <laughs> yeah. So like that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And people love crowdfunding. They love it because of that. You get the behind the scenes. There's so many people that are interested in that. So 
That's a great idea. So they'll see that on the website and they can. That'll be on the website. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll talk about, you know, the people I played with and talk about the songs and how I wrote them. And so, yeah. That's great. I love it. I love it. And especially if there's someone else that wants to start songwriting, then they can listen to you and get ideas from that. And it's just so helpful for other baby boomers. I think it's really good. It is. And, you know, and I have to say, like, I I love songwriting. I love talking about songwriting. And I'm also um, hopefully going to be starting this series on Facebook called Song Snacks and song snacks with Susan. And it's going to be like a, hopefully like a once a week thing where I'm just going to tell you like a little songwriting tip. So it's just like a little bite-sized bit of inspiration. I That's hope. great. So, That's a yeah. really good idea. I like yeah. that. Yeah. It should That's- be fun. Perfect. That will be a lot of fun. So that's great. So I want to thank you for being my guest today on Kick-Ass Boomers. And thank you for sharing your music with us today. And as always, people who want to find more of Susan, you can go to kickassboomers.com, click on Susan's picture, and all the show notes and contact information will pop up. In case you forgot, I mean, her website is really easy. But if you forget, you can just go to Kick-Ass Boomers and you'll find it there too. So thank you, Terry, so much. So nice to meet you and talk to you. Nice to meet you too. And it's been loads of fun. I've really enjoyed it. So thank you very much. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old.